You're listening to KDRT LP 95.7 here in Davis, California. I'm Lois Richter, and this program is called That's Life. Now that we're in the middle of the pandemic, I am not going into the studio anymore. I'm pre-recording shows from home. This one you're going to hear today was a Zoom chat between Lisa Henderson and myself. And Lisa I know most prominently from the Genealogy Club. So if you want to listen in to us, hang around. Hope you enjoy the show. many emails in the world. <laughs> I know. I get like a hundred a day. It's like overwhelming. Oh. Yeah. Do you have uh, an email program where it sorts it out for you? Yeah, I haven't set up enough sorts, but I can do it. And I have done it for some emails. Go into the various folders and look at what's new instead of clogging up my inbox. <laughs> what, uh, what are you using the mail program on your Mac or are you using something else? Yeah. Mail. Yeah. I love mail. I, I, it's, it allows you to have it play secretary, which is great. And it's easy to use and it's easy to move things around and you can do like a keystroke to change something. Now I'm using uh, Gmail and it's all stored out there someplace, not on my machine. And so uh-huh. I have to do a lot more work. Actually, I use Gmail, but I have it piped into my mail program. I guess the reason I don't do that is that I've had so many email addresses over the years that on my mail program, I probably have 20 or 30 old email addresses, which yeah. many of which I can't even get to anymore. Oh, that's but it's still, there's a lot of stuff in there. And so yeah. I thought when I took out the Gmail, I thought, well, I'll, I'll start clean. And then <laughs> it will be so, such small amounts of, of stuff. Exactly. So, email do over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just realized I'm probably early. You said 11.15, not 11 o'clock, huh? It's okay. It's all right with me. All right, good. Well, I sometimes am bothered when people show up early for something. I'm not ready for them yet. It's like, oh, well, come on in. (laughs) Still get ready. I forget who I told 11 and who I told 11.15. I think that last email address that went out, email it went out, I think I did say 11. I I think that may be where I got the idea. Let me quick check. No, it says 11.15. Oh, it does? Yeah, I just peeked at it. Yeah. (laughs) How many windows do you have open? Uh, A lot, (laughs) as always. As a matter of fact. programs do you have going? Do you know how to tell? Yes, I know how to tell. I've got Zoom. I've got, oh, that's interesting, image capture, my scanning program. I've got my printer on. I've got uh, Excel on. I've got uh, text edit on, because I always use that. I've got... Word is open, a preview is open, Chrome is open, and my email is open. And, of course, the Finder is open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was fetch. Yeah, I'd done something on the Internet. Okay, I'll close that. I'm going to leave that one open. I use that all the time. I don't need Excel, though. I'm going to – oh, uh, I don't think I did anything important. I'm okay, but the thing is, if you go through – I assume you're doing your command tab to – Yeah things right well if you do that and you quit something yeah when you open it up again it'll have the same stuff 
Yeah. I mean, unless you specifically told it to uh, not reopen, right. it will right. always reopen your stuff. Yeah, that's good because I otherwise uh, haven't saved things properly, whatever. As long as I, it's still on the desktop, it's like, okay, let me put that in the right place. Yeah. File that properly. I'm doing better. I'm not perfect. My filing system is still sort of random. But I've organized parts of it so I know where I'm supposed to put things. I unfortunately have a bad habit having kind of a catch-all folder that I just dump things into when I'm too busy to really file. And that one's getting big. What's that one called? It's called Lisa's 1A Desktop. So things that get saved to the desktop, I just dump into this other folder on the desktop. But I've only gotten 1A. I haven't gotten to 1B yet. So I figure, okay, that's pretty good. (laughs) I have to put away to put away now, put away <laughs> photos, to put away other people's photos, uh, genealogy to put away. Oh, I have several of those though, actually. So yeah. I, I should, I should qualify that. Yeah. A genealogy to file. I have several of those. Yeah. Davis genealogy club to file. I got several of those. <laughs> so once in a while I look at, you know, one of these programs that shows you all your files and helps you get rid of stuff. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, I got to combine these. I got to file these properly. Well, actually you don't, you know, the thing is, and I, you know, I used to have a company called the organizer. So I talk about filing systems and keeping stuff and throwing stuff away and all this stuff. You don't need a filing system. You need a retrieval system. You need to get back to whatever it is that's important to you. When people had paper files, I always would talk about a retrieval system and I'd, I'd hold up a piece of paper that they had and they were trying to figure out where to put it. And I'd say, okay, so when in the future do you think you might need to look at this piece of paper? What will you be dealing with? Yeah. What will you be thinking about? You know? Yeah. And so if it's something like a bank statement, okay, well, that's easy. You, you know, all your bank statements for one account go in the same folder and all your bank statements for another account go in a different folder, but they're both in the same area. Right. And, and it's so, you know, it's like logical, but when you get to a computer, we have other ways of finding things. Yeah. Even if you never put anything away and everything sat on your desktop and you had 5,000 things on your desktop, which by the way, is a really, really bad idea because your desktop slows you down. Yeah. That's because why I have that. Desktop other is always, your computer is always trying to keep up the desktop. So it's always doing that continuously. And so, yeah. If you, if you have lots of things in your desktop, it slows your operation down. Whereas yeah. if the same things were in a folder on your desktop, there'd only be one folder that it would be rewriting continuously. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. know I, ha- I, I rarely even look at my desktop, but I know when I've looked on the finder and I've seen the desktop, there's quite a few things there. So I'm just going to go through and, and put them in a separate folder keep, and then look at that folder and see, is everything named properly so I can find it? Oh, in fact, I want to brag a little bit because one time about five years ago, I was uh, walking through the senior center and one of the, uh, I think it was Jan, was working on the computer and she seemed very frustrated. And I said, what's going on? And she couldn't find something. And I said, well, when I can't find something, I do a global search for a word in the document that I know is like unique. If it's a place or something that I know I was talking about with that person or something that was, I remember specifically about that document. And she says, really? And I said, yeah, just, you know, do this and that. And oh my gosh, she said, she lit up like a, a Christmas tree. She was so excited because she knew a, a word. I said, can you think of a word that is only in this document? She said, yeah. And she typed it in and there it was. 
And she's going like, oh my gosh, fantastic. So I use that system a lot, but that's not ideal. It would be easier if I, you know, could Uh keep things sorted better, but. uh, Or if if you have a printout of something and there's a particular phrase, especially if it's got a typo in it, that's the best. (laughs) You put in quotations that phrase and then you search for that. And it's like, uh, this is the document. It might not be there anymore, but you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. That's really a miraculous thing about computers. And I'm so incredibly impressed. And I recently got this Mac. It's not new. It's from 2015, but it's got this gorgeous screen and it's very well organized. I've only had one little glitch and I think it's because I had too much stuff open. I mean, I have a lot of emails that I'm searching through, so I leave them open when I'm comparing things and it's Mm -hmm. like, "Ah, there's too many things open. (laughs) Well, yeah, but okay. So a couple other interesting bits about your Mac and you obviously know about the command tab, 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 tab to go cycling through what programs are open. And then, you know, within the, the browser that you can do a command option tab to go from one window to another window to another window, or maybe it's tabs within the window. Anyway, there's, there's some keystrokes that are really useful and very helpful which I have forgotten because I don't use them. (laughs) But one of the things is that on your organizing your files, if I have like downloads where anything that's downloaded from a browser or a, it just dumps it into a folder called downloads, which every every Mac is, is comes up with. I looked at it the other day and I realized I had over 600 items in the downloads, which I haven't put away, but that's okay. If I'm, if I sort it by name and I come all these things that say screenshot. Yes. You take a screenshot, it's got a screenshot and then has the date, the time down to the second. So each one is unique. It it doesn't make any sense. What I found is if you have, if you're in a finder window and you're looking at a bunch of stuff and I usually look them as lists. So if I select say five things in that list and then I press the space bar. This gives you a preview. Okay. Yeah. It gives you a, a snapshot. Oh. And then your your arrow keys left and right, up and down, your left and right arrow keys will, will cycle through that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've used that space bar thing before when something's highlighted. I touched it. I found it by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, I thought it opened it, but it didn't. It's just that preview. Right. Like that. It's just a snapshot. I do yeah. use that occasionally. That's nice. The nice thing is that... Since it hasn't opened it, it hasn't yeah. opened any other program, and you don't actually have to close anything. All you have to do is is touch the escape key, and you're out of it. And, and it's great. And you can use that when you're doing a, a share screen in a Zoom meeting. So what I would do in a Zoom meeting is I would go to the Zoom.us app title up in the up in the top up next to the apple and then say hide others and that hides everything else so that all of the everything else you have open is gone and then i would go to the finder because i can get to the finder and i would open that and find the files i want select them push the space bar and then go back to the zoom and start the meeting do all this stuff and then when it was time to share it when you open the share screen there is that thing that is the spacebar viewing window i don't even know what they call it yeah it's a quickie i don't know 
I, I can't call it preview because preview is the name of a program. Yeah, gotcha. But anyway, so that's there. And then when you share your screen, you can simply go and use your arrow keys to go through it and show people what you want to share. It's a great way to do a slideshow without having to do a slideshow. Exactly. I love that idea. I'm going to practice that today. Oh, okay. That sounds That'd good. Be cool. Not, not now because I don't want to interrupt. The, but I, I followed along with what you said. I love the idea of hiding everything else and then using the finder to just preview like the files that I have identified and the finder. That's how I find things anyway. So perfect. And the only thing is that when you're doing that uh, spacebar thing, they have to all be selected at one time, which basically means they all have to be in the same folder. So if I have things from multiple folders that I'm going to want to show at the same time, I'll create a brand new folder and then I will copy things in. You, you know that if you drag it, it moves it, but if you drag it with the control, with the option or alt key held down, then it, it um, re- duplicates it. You know, uh, that? I found that out by uh, accident. Well, not by accident, but I had to, I had to Google how to do that. I was tr- having trouble actually, uh, I don't remember if I wanted to, I think I wanted to just copy it, but it was moving it instead. And I said, I don't want that. I don't want to copy it, but I was having trouble just doing it the normal way. And so I somehow found it in one of the Google things I looked up. It's like, oh, really? I can do that? I tested it and it, bing, that worked. Yeah. Like, yes. There's going, going through it the wrong, the old fashioned way of, you know, like copying it or something, whatever it was, it wasn't working for me that day. It's like, okay, this is a new computer. Maybe it's not working that way. And then it has a different name. So the computer doesn't know it's a duplicate. That's right. That's right. The other thing, um, I don't know if it works with aliases. In other words, if if I made a new folder with the aliases of all the things, and then I tried that that spacebar thing, I don't know if it would work or not. I've never tried it. Yeah. I don't think I've tried anything like that. Yeah. But neat. Oh, look, thank you. I always learn something whenever I talk to you, Lois. Thank you. And the fact that you have this organization business and you understand about computer organization, it's just brilliant. I've had to learn some of this stuff the hard way, and I'm so much better now at backing up. I've got cloud backup. I've got external drive backup. And the one time that I did, you know, in recent history, need it, it was all there. I got everything back as far as I know. It was like, hallelujah, because sometimes, yeah. and you were saying some of your email accounts don't open properly or, you know, whatever. No, I just can't get any more emails on them. Oh, okay. Well, that's different than what happened to me. I had an old, I guess I was on a PC, actually, and uh, email uh, account that I had, oh, I was using something funky. Um, I was constantly, I didn't like the email program that was on the PC, so I would use a different one. And one time I went to my email and I was trying to retrieve something and I retrieved something that wasn't quite what I expected. It was a weird concatenation of multiple emails all stuffed together under one. And I'm just going, Oh my gosh. And I started looking for the other ones and it was all just piled up into, you know, several large emails that had everything in it all messed up. Yeah. And a lot of those were, you know, interesting genealogy contacts people that had written to me and I'd sent stuff and it was like oh I really wanted to organize that better and now they're all messed up so I remember taking a couple days and sorting through cutting and pasting and putting together a kind of a you know re-imagination of what it had been just so that I could have it and you probably put it in a document instead of into emails yes that's exactly right 
So now I've got these documents that have old emails. And I even made a spreadsheet of which emails I've organized and which ones are to be organized. And I ran across that the other day. And of course, I don't think I ever finished doing the to be organized stuff, but it's like, oh, well, at least I have the system where I can find stuff. So, but it sounds sounds to me like the effort it took to, to put all those things in a database, wouldn't it have been easier just to file them? Yes. I know my son and my husband tease me about that kind of stuff all the time, but I like using databases and I'm learning how to use Excel better and better. And so it's like, Oh, that's really cool. And I've used it for genealogy too, which is pretty exciting. So that's, I mean, the ability to reorganize stuff and resort things in certain ways, looking at charts from those things. And Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's pretty amazing to me, especially since I've got some large data sets that I like to deal with. It's like, wow, wow. So exciting. So so what uh, I'm I'm curious about what programs people use. I, I like FileMaker Pro. I've used that since they were version two back in the eighties, but uh, I, I stopped using it a while ago because this operating system wouldn't, run the old FileMaker Pro that I had, and I wasn't about to spend another 500 bucks to buy a new one. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm doing enough things that I decided I really would like to have FileMaker Pro. So I went and it turns out they have a new one, FileMaker Pro version 12. And, and there's different ways you can do it. You can do your data work on their system. It's called their right. FileMaker Cloud. Or you can get it on your own computer so everything stays with you. And that's FileMaker Pro. And you can do it by a monthly rental. Or you can do it by buying the program outright. So um, I'm actually thinking about uh, thinking about buying the program outright. You know, so I'll have it. Yeah. That'll be good. But FileMaker Pro is fantastic. And since I know how to use it, it's easy for me to make up a database to do whatever I want it to do. I mean, it's, it's like, I know this. So uh, I have never gotten X to me, Excel is a spreadsheet and I have never gotten it in my head that I can use it as a database. I think people do that, but I've never figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I have used FileMaker Pro. When I was working at the uh, uh, Yellow County Arts Council, I learned how to use that, and I had to do so much stuff with it that I really learned it. But <clears throat> having studied programming languages, I made my uh, some of my files a little too complicated, and so um, I even I confused myself at some level. You know, when you get pretty advanced, it's easy to get confused about that stuff. So finally, well, it's like, well, when I didn't really need to use it anymore, I started using Excel. And so I've been using a a spreadsheet programs. I used Lotus 1, 2, 3 for a long time, too. But I like them. But I love FileMaker Pro because of the way that you could organize the data and you could, um, yeah. And the layouts for for inputting and outputting. And it's you can make it yours. Yeah, that's right. One of the things I did was a, sorry, how do you do a database on a spreadsheet? Well, it's, um, it's not quite the same, but, uh, the kind of stuff I do is just, you know, numerous fields and, you know, filling it all in just like a, a, just a A table, a simple simple table. table. Exactly. I'd use it for a simple table. Then how do you get input screens or output screens that are different than the simple table? You don't. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Now, all right, because that's the difference. Yeah. The, the difference with a, a database versus a spreadsheet is the database deals in records Uh-oh. and the spreadsheet deals with a table where all the stuff is together. Right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You froze for a minute there. Hopefully that won't be a problem. Nah. I don't, I, I haven't gotten that message from my internet saying that my internet is, you know, slow. Unstable. I'm unstable. Unstable. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't gotten that, thankfully, in a while. Yeah. <sighs> Organizing. That's a, that's a good topic, you know, uh, how, how, how people organize their, their lives and their houses and their... Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that because during this uh, shelter-in-place time, I figure, okay, now I've got time to really clean and organize. Yeah, not happened. But I have read a lot of books about feng shui, and that's fascinating. And I've read a lot of organizing books. And yesterday, for the first time, I watched the TV show on Netflix of Marie Kondo's Tidying Up, Japanese Art of Tidying Up. Mm. And that was beautiful. She's a lovely person. And she made everything seem so painless for this family. But, you know, I've got tons of good stuff. And I, I like to collect things. And so yeah it's a little bit of a problem you know it's hard to move around I don't have as much room in my house as I used to I've got things in kind of weird places where they just barely fit in fact I remember telling people at uh, the genealogy club discussion one time that the reason that this big atlas is on top of the filing cabinet is because it sat on my dining room table for so long (laughs) I had to stop eating at the dining room table (laughs) they're eating in the living room and I decided finally that it won't fit on any of my bookcases. So I rarely, really look at it. I've taken pictures of the pages that I like. And so now it's the clubs. And people have used it, so I'm happy about that. But I thought, that wasn't too hard. That wasn't too hard. So, yeah, I'm going to have to do it. So feng shui has been interesting. Organizing, you know, my stuff by in folders has been interesting. Although my main filing cabinet is rather inaccessible at the moment. Right. Right. So I, I, I have old, an old filing cabinet, five drawers total. And it's something that I haven't been keeping up. And so on top of it, there are boxes of stuff to be filed. <laughs> yes. Now, now it's not any place else. I know what it is. It's to be filed, but yeah. it's not in, in any order. And, you know, those boxes have been sitting there for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the top two inches are within the last three years. Yeah. But I haven't ever needed any of that. That's the thing. I haven't needed stuff. In fact, I am so proud of myself because the last two things that I really needed, I was able to find because I had filed them and I was so pleased. My sister-in-law called me and asked me if I had any pictures of her son's christening. And I said, okay, what year was that again? And she told me, and my gosh, within, I mean, probably six months before I'd organized my photos, old photos with film, uh, into boxes with the years on them. And so I was able to go to that year and bingo, there it was. I mean, it was about halfway through because it was in the summer, but it's like, wow, had it, scanned them, emailed them to her. She was so thrilled. She had to put together something for her son's confirmation. It's like, oh, great. So that was good. And then the second thing I needed was we sold our old car and we needed the pink slip. And I'm just going, okay, <laughs> where would I have put it? 
I said, oh my gosh, I think I've got a file that says automotive stuff and car stuff. So let me go look. And I mean, within five minutes, I had it in my hot little hands. Here you go, honey. This is joy you wanted. It's like, oh my gosh. He goes, I don't know how you did that because that was a long time ago. Like, I know where things are. <laughs> well, sort of. Exactly. Well, actually, actually, I got lucky. A lot of the times when I was working with people, we would have more than one filing system. That is to say, you've got the general one that has, you know, more severe stuff. But then, like in our house, we have a drawer in the utility room, which contains all of the warranties, guarantees, and instructions for all of the mechanical devices in the house. So if something happens to the whole house fan, which we put in 20 years ago, I know exactly where that information is because that's where we keep that specific information. And then I have a two drawer filing cabinet in the, the back room where I've put financial records. So when we used to get paper bank statements, you know, that's where they would go. We have one shelf that has uh, boxes that contain each year's tax information, the information required to, to make up the forms and then the forms that were, you know, copied and stuff. Well, now we're doing most of that online instead of in, in doing it by hand, but I still, I print out the reports yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a little folder now instead of, of a big box, but it's still, it's there. It's and insane. I don't bother going back and deleting other things as long as I still have room on the shelf. I just label them and put it on the top, you know? So it's yeah. like, okay, so there's a taxes place and there's a references and there's a finance place. And then there's these giant filing cabinets that have everything else like gardening tips and oh, everything. Yeah. Scripts from plays that I was in back in the the eighties, you know, I mean it's a real hodgepodge of stuff that's in there, but it's all labeled yeah. in folders. Well, except I mean, until we get to the boxes of to be filed, which I don't worry about. But that's exactly it. You've got a place for everything. So, you know, you've right. got things to be filed, but they're on top of the filing cabinet where they go. That's really key. Right now, I have a lot of my stuff is in a place where I know where it is. It kind of has a place, but the place might be kind of cantilevered off the top of another shelf or something. Yeah. It's like, that's not really ideal. Yeah. So I know I've got to, you know, do a little bit of purging first in order to make room because I've got a small house, but it's a very strong idea that I, I've come to accept that this is kind of what I need to do this summer. And I think I'm going to get there. Because I want to have a place for everything because it's so satisfying to me to be able to put my hands on something when I want it. Right. And I've spent hours searching for things when I've, you know, not been able to find it. And I know I've seen it within the last few months. So unlike my husband, he's got a giant pile he hasn't touched for 30 years. My piles, I go through regularly to try to see where they're supposed to go. And so I know I've seen it. And eventually I can find it. Oh, and I've got a really interesting tip for actually finding things. And this has helped me a couple times. Really a weird one. I think I've mentioned that I like astrology to you, but this is a a Indian form of astrology called Jyotish astrology, I think. And it's uh, actually, this is a numerology system, not an astrology system. But the instructions are, there's a website that has a big database of numbers like from one to well, maybe not one, but maybe 10 to 150 or something. And each number is strange sentence about where to look for something. And so the idea is 
you think about what you're looking for and you write down nine random numbers just between one and, and nine. And when you have those nine numbers written down, you add it up. So it's some kind of a little numerology formula. And I don't think you reduce it. So you usually end up with a number, you know, under 500, under whatever. Oh, if it's only nine numbers, whatever. It's not very big. But then you take that resulting number and you go to their website and you look at the answer for that number. And remarkably, the first time I was looking for something, it said to look at a high place where there's like art supplies. And I'm going, oh, I have a high place with art supplies. Let me go look there. And sure enough, within a foot of that space, that's where the thing was I was looking for. That's cool. I was absolutely stunned. Stunned. Sometimes it says, oh, it's lost by a river. Or maybe it'll say, uh, oh, somebody stole it. Or, oh, a neighbor knows where it is. So it's like kind of cryptic. But most of the time, I think I've used it like four times now, at least three of the times, I was amazed that I was able to find it based on the clue that they gave me. But I think it has to do with getting in touch with your subconscious, just relaxing, clearing your mind in order to think of random numbers while you're thinking about your thing, and then turning it over to the universe and say, okay, tell me where it is, and boom, you can find it. So I've, I, I don't like to have to rely on that kind of a system, but it is kind of fun to have. Do you know what biokinesiology is? No, not specifically, so, but I've heard of is, kinesiology, like muscle testing. It is muscle testing. That's it. Oh, I didn't realize that was the term for it. Yeah. And this is another way for you to get to information that you have, but you're not consciously aware of. So muscle testing, there's a number of different ways you can do it. Um, one of the ways you can do it is you can take some substance, whether it's um, uh, some pills or some food or something, and you either put it in your mouth or you hold it in your hand right next to you so that your body recognizes what it is that you're inquiring about. And then muscle testing basically usually works where you have a person holding out their arm and then someone else pushes down on it. And if it stays strong and steady, that's an, a yes. And if it weakens and fades and goes down, that's a no. So in order for this to work, you have to have a muscle that is, how should I say, so that it's not so strong that it's going to be solid no matter what, even if you said no. Or it's not so weak that you can't hold it up. So anyway, there's a little bit of, of figuring out which muscle to use and stuff like that. But anyway, so you, you get some some way to get a yes or a no. Good. Now, in this form, this is substance testing, you hold a substance, you hold out your arm, and then somebody pushes on it and you get a yes or no. Strong means this is good for you. Weak means this is bad for you. Okay. At least that's what the... Uh, the people who are trying to sell you this product are going to tell you. That's not really what it means, but that's what they're going to tell you. So you take one pill, put in your hand, strong, two pills, strong, three pills, strong, four pills, oh, it's weak. And they say, ah, that means you need to take three pills of that substance. No, what it means is four pills is an overdose and your body would be harmed by it. Yeah. Doesn't, it has nothing to do with, do you need it or not? It's, it's, can you tolerate it or not? 
Unfortunately, muscle testing has gotten a bad rap because some people use this to convince folks that they need to buy these pills, this medicine, this whatever, which is sad. It's really sad because it's, it's got such a great potential if you use it properly. You could, you could do this knowing that it's, it's an overdose if it's weak, that if I, if I, have some peas and I, and I hold them and my arms stay strong, then it's fine for me to eat peas. But if I hold some peppers and my arm's going to go, oh, yeah, because I'm allergic to peppers. So my body knows that it recognizes that, you know? Okay. So, wow, yeah. but anyway, substance testing is one way. There is also positional testing. And this is where you put your body in a particular position so that a particular muscle is isolated. And then you push to see if that muscle is strong or weak. And then you look it up on the chart as to what the weakness in that muscle means as far as the rest of your body. And this has to do with various Eastern medicine modalities. So, and that one is, it's purely positional. It, it doesn't matter if the person working with you knows anything or not. It's purely positional. There are some cases where you will get false positive or false negative. If the person is so weak that no muscle can hold, well, then it's not going to do you much good. Or if they're Arnold Schwarzenegger and they're, oh, nah, that's not going to do any good. Again, you have to be able to tell the difference between yes and no. But anyway, so substance and positional. Okay, and then there's a third kind, and this requires that the person who's working with you have some abilities, some gifts, some talent. And in this case, they would be asking a question and looking at your body to find the answer. So if I were doing it with you, I'd have you hold your arm out, and then in my head, I would say, peas would be good for Lisa to eat. And I'd focus on that. I'd imagine that. I'd imagine peas in you. And then I would test your arm. Yes or no? No, she shouldn't be having peas. Yes, it's fine for her to eat peas. And so we would go through all of the foods and make you up a list of foods you should avoid. Okay. So this was, this is something that I've, I've done with friends and I, I did for, well, a fair amount of time back in the 80s. And it is something where the person doing it has to be able to do it. In other words, when I was doing this back in the 80s, I would have to take off for a week because during my menstrual cycle, I couldn't get, I couldn't get clear enough in myself to be able to get the energy to and from the person I was working with. So I wasn't confident that I could be correct. It takes a little bit of trust that that the person who's doing it knows what they're doing. And sometimes you'll be holding your arm out there thinking it's really strong and it falls and you can't hold it up and you're going, you're pushing really hard. Well, no, I'm pushing the same. So in that case, what I would do is I would have a third person do it. And they could tell the difference between yes and no, because this other person was pushing and they weren't you know, they had no idea what I was, was going through. I would just point at them and they would push and then I'd know what the answer is. I'm not saying anything. It's all in my head. I mean, I'm all right. So if you can accept that much, and that's a, that's a real leap. A lot of people can't accept that, 
But if you can accept that much, that we're imagining a condition, comparing it to you, yes, it matches, or no, it doesn't. Then the next step, the next method, is where the person doesn't even have to be conscious. They don't even have to be there. They don't even have to be human. You know, you can meet a, a cat on the street and go, wow, I wonder if she's pregnant. Do muscle testing and find out yes or no. Because she knows if she's pregnant or not. She knows if it's a she or not. <laughs> so that one, the person who's doing it dedicates a a particular set of muscles to the other person. So here I've got a circle made with my thumb and my forefinger. I'm going to dedicate that to you. And so I'm going to ask the question, just like I would, you know, are peas good for Lisa to eat? And then I would take my fingers and I would attempt to push apart this circle. And you can tell whether it's holding together fine or it's flinging away. It's different than this holding your arm out thing, but it's a way of knowing. And the person doing it would have made sure that they know the difference between yes and no. So anyway, so then in that case, you can do this for yourself right. or anyone else. It's, it's miraculous. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, dowsing, actually. Similar. I went to a dowsing conference part for a few hours about two years ago. And I just got an email recently saying that they're doing one starting today, today and this weekend. It's the West Coast Dowsers Association or something. And it's free. So I thought I'd check in with them this weekend, maybe this afternoon and see uh, what's going on. But I think I remember seeing somebody do this type of muscle testing at -hmm. that conference. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the word that they used for it, but it may have been the bio, what was it you said? Biotechnology. Yeah, so maybe that's where I had the idea of it. But I think that's fascinating because I know that energetically everybody is connected. And I think I could, you know, make that leap. I have a pendulum and I've used it occasionally, but I don't really have a lot of uh, experience with it. And so uh, I don't know how much I trust it. But I think that, you know, my own body I should probably be able to trust. So I think I should probably learn how to do this kind of thing. It It is... Um... It is a gift or a talent. It is something that not everybody can do. Um, Mariah, who used to live in Davis in the 70s and 80s, was going to move away to Oregon. And there was a bunch of us who were her clients. And she did muscle testing. This is, this is you know, how I, how I learned about it was that I was, I was so unhealthy. And, and she gave me a list of things I should and shouldn't eat. <laughs> should was like this tall shouldn't like everything else it was it was uh amazing but then as we worked over it um as i got healthier then i could add things in and then the only things that i shouldn't eat were the capsicum were the uh the the peppers and that's a permanent that's a permanent thing i think Uh, but anyway um so she was going to leave and we were all going what 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 are we going to (laughs) do And so she said, I will teach you. And so she got, I think there was six of us, seven, including her. And she taught us how to do muscle testing. And everybody could do positional, no problem. Um, Everybody could do uh, substance, 
as long as they could figure out on the person they were doing it on which muscle to use. Because some of the really strong people, you can't just hold your arm out. It wouldn't make a difference. So you have them hold it down by their side and then turn their hand so that the back of their hand is next to their hip. And then when you're pulling that, you pull that away. And it's either it doesn't move, it's strong, or it does move and it's weak. And that's because you're then using a different muscle, a weaker muscle. And so a really strong person, you can tell the difference that way. So, but anyway, um, so most people could do the substance testing if they could find the right muscle. But when it came to the rest of it, um, there was only two of us who could do the, uh, imagine what the person's like and either it's, it's, it's true or it's not true. And it's a true false thing. It's a, there is no how much or how many it's, it's a yes, no kind of a thing. Um, but what was interesting is that she taught us some ways to center ourselves and to get ready to do this. And there was one fellow who worked with uh, petroleum products all day. Um, so we all did our little centering things and got the chakras lined and whatever. And by the time we got done with doing that and we went to do something, his was all out of whack again. He could not hold his own center for more than 15 minutes because of all the gas and oil he was he was working with. Wow. And so it's like, well, he ain't going to be able to do anything. But that, so that was two out of six. Two out, yeah. So not everybody can do it. And you and even if you can do it, you can't always do it. It depends on if you can get your own self clear and centered and all that other That's stuff. Right. Yeah. But if you would like to try it sometime, I would be happy to work with you and and we'll see um how it goes and and if you're one of those people who can do the the distance thing or if you should be doing the uh the substance thing or the positional thing. So Thank you for that. That sounds so intriguing to me. And and dowsing and lots of other things, pendulum things. Uh, those are all different methods of trying to get to the same knowledge that that muscle testing does. I mean, it, they're all focused on the same thing. And this is different than people who are um, doing higher spirit God stuff. This is all this is all human energy stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So one of the things, if you have something lost, okay, you could try, um, because if you, if you have seen where it is at some time in the past, it's probably in your head there. And you could try closing your eyes and in mentally walking around your house, going into a room, or you could do it physically to go into a room and um, think to yourself, the the manuscript that I'm looking for is within this room and then see if you can, can discern a yes or no, try it in the next room, see if it feels any different. Um, And that, and that's where this stuff, the making a circle with your finger and then trying to open it. Um, And if you walked through the entire house and you never got a yes, well, then it probably means you're not able to do it. If you know it's in the house, right? Yeah. 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 All right. 
Well, that's some good tests for me then. Good. Well, oh, it's one of know. these things that I don't, I, I don't think you just learn from reading. I think you have to be with somebody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. These are like hands-on things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to tell you, because we we're talking about food, um, I got a ad and I followed through with it. There's a company, I think it's called uh, Genio Palette, that does uh, testing of your DNA to determine what foods are good for you. And they're just, they're just doing ethnicity and then, then choosing the foods from that region. It's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, did get my results back. And some of the things I've never heard of, there's some kind of beans that are like my number one best food. And I think I actually bought a can of what I thought was the right beans, but they tur- it turns out they're like uh, mung beans. And I don't really like mung beans that much. So I cooked them up. My husband ate about half of them. And I ate a couple spoonfuls of them and said, this may be the best food for me, but it's going to take a lot of practice before I like it. But uh, I thought that was so interesting. But I bet you're right. I bet it is the ethnicity that they're looking at and then just picking out foods from those cultures. My guess is that that there's not anything special. Yes. The advice did seem fairly basic nutrition advice. Yeah. I thought, well, at least, you know, I didn't have to do the test with them. I was able to just transport my DNA and 20 bucks, and then they gave me the whole report. But uh, it is kind of cool to think that, you know, these things are going to be, uh, you know, helpful to some folks. Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> at least it got me to try something new, right? <laughs> got you to try something new, but I think probably I, I'm a skeptic um, of most things. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if this was just a way that people made money and they they took your DNA results and just went, okay, here's one. Send off some recipes, you know. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> no, who would know? That's right. That's right. Who wouldn't know? Now, if your DNA had an ethnicity report, then they could give you things that were local to the region where you were your ancestors were from, which actually doesn't. That does make sense. If you know where your ancestors are from and, and they ate fish every day of their life, probably y- you would be predisposed to eating fish and having it help you. That's right. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's, I don't think it's because of, how should I put it? I think it's because the people who didn't thrive on fish didn't survive and didn't have kids and therefore they're not your ancestors. That's right. That's right. Logic, right? Exactly right. Yeah, that's kind of heartening too. If I'm not feeling well and I think to myself, well, you know, the only reason I'm here is because every single one of my ancestors was able to survive the horrific, sometimes horrific conditions that they lived in and they're strong enough to do it. So of course I can survive pretty much anything. And I start to feel better and pretty strong. Yeah. 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 That's exactly true for all of us though. I mean, we wouldn't be here if our parents didn't make it through and, our grandparents didn't all make it through and a lot of them had some pretty hard conditions to, to manage. Yeah. It's like pretty, pretty good idea. Yeah. We're strong. Yeah. I'm from, um, about half of my ancestors were from Northern Germany. And so there's lots of, that's lots of potatoes in there. Once the new world was discovered. And before that there was, um, wheat, wheat was a big thing. Um, Lots of, of hunting, forest animals and that sort of thing. Not much fishing. They weren't, they weren't fisher folk. 
um, but they were farmers, and so they they grew cows and pigs and chickens and yeah, just like the Midwest. <laughs> same <laughs> folks, different country, still growing the same things. That's right. That's uh, right. Well, you know, I didn't realize it's been a while. What was the topic that you wanted to talk about, Lois? <laughs> no, we talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Things that I can put on the radio show. So this has been fine. This is just going to be an interview with Lisa Henderson. Whoops. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say your name, am I? It's all right. Okay. As I said, I think everybody's going to recognize my voice. Anybody that's yeah. heard me is going to know me so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's amazing is we had an entire discussion. We didn't talk about genealogy hardly at all. I know, barely at all. Yeah. 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 So, okay. <laughs> so one of the things I was thinking about is the last time that we did this, and you were a part of that discussion where we talked about what we were doing for fun. Yeah. And um, so have you got any more ideas for creativity or fun or well yeah it's a matter not of even things that happen to you maybe things that your your friends are doing yeah well um a friend of mine sent me a beautiful card that had rubber stamped images on it it was beautiful mm-hmm. and i asked her about it and said yes yeah, some of these i made myself so I thought, oh my gosh i I had done that a long, long time ago. I'm going to do that again. So she carved erasers, some of them rubber erasers, some of them plastic erasers. And I thought, oh, man, I have misplaced my husband's uh, X-Acto knife set. So I bought another set. Uh-huh. It, it was actually different. It was a wood carving set. So it's quite nice. Um, but more in, in like for what I would need to make these erasers. And I bought some erasers. So I've got some little erasers and I've got these carving tools. I haven't actually made them yet. And I was laughing at myself because I have a collection of rubber stamps, but I haven't used those in a while either. So it's like, I'm making rubber stamps to (laughs) rubber stamp, which I haven't done either. (laughs) Well, yes, but you are, you are not just making rubber stamps. You are making block printing tools. Yes, that's right. That's right. So I was looking on Pinterest. Is, is much more, uh, I think much more rewarding than using somebody else's rubber stamps. Yeah, that's true. You only have one image and it's not yours. That's right. right. In fact, I'm going to be making So here's here's an idea for making block prints that is, doesn't require carving. Carving is sometimes difficult. I I did take a class in block prints and I, I loved it. And I have the linoleum blocks to carve. And I've done a couple, but it's very difficult. So when a friend of mine and I, do you remember Ann Hans? Yes. Yes. So Ann Hans and I got together. We would do this every once in a while. We would come together and do some creative thing, you know, whatever it was. And so this time I got, I went to the dollar store and in the children's section, I found these thin sheets of, stiff foam rubber not not foam rubber like you sleep on but hard foam rubber you know yeah. and and they come in little squares or rectangles usually four or five to a, a package and they are almost exactly the the right consistency for being used for block prints so they hold the ink right they release the ink right i mean it's great so what we would do with those is take those a pair of scissors draw an object or a sketch or something on the thing and then cut it apart. And so we'd have uh, 
you know, if we wanted to have hills with the sun, well, we'd take away the sky part. Or if, if you know, whatever we wanted. And so you, could, so you could cut out each object and then glue them together to make a story. Or okay. you could take the block and just draw on it and then cut away parts of it. And whatever was left, that was your print material. And it worked really well. And then when I was in there getting some more, I found these little, uh, these, again, same, same thickness, same material, but they were pre-cut into shapes. And there was one was all different sizes of hearts. And so I got a little packet of hearts. Now, this is for a buck, man. Yes, exactly. I took those and I glued them down in the pattern that I liked on a piece of wood or a tile or whatever it is. And then that becomes my block for printing. So when you're, when you're working on this stuff, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, one idea I had was to make a, uh, what do you call it? A book plate or ex libris. Mm -hmm. And I was working with some variations of my initials to use as part of this design. I thought, oh, this will be really cool because I do have some books that I want to make more special by putting something in them that says, okay, this is a family history or this is something that I want my son to make sure he doesn't just get rid of (laughs) someday. These are the ones that are special. So I'm putting book plates in those. And so I thought, oh, this will be really neat. So I've got some cool designs and now I'm going to go forward and, and do some carving experiments. But I like this idea of just being able to cut out exactly the shape you like. Yeah, I've got lots of little cedar blocks that I could use for that kind of thing. I think that might be a good way to test it out. And I'm just going to use regular ink pad ink, but it sounds like you had some fancy ink. Yeah, uh, Speedball makes an a block printing ink. And the difference is that it is a little bit thicker so that uh, you take a, a roller and you, like you take a tile and you put a, a glob of this ink on it and then you roll it back and forth until it's absolutely smooth. And then you take your, your block that you're going to do, you set it on the tile and press it firmly, take it off. Now this is perfectly inked because the, the layer was smooth. And so you have an even coating of ink. You don't have to apply it. If you try applying it to with, with a roller or something, yeah. you the lines. this way okay. you, you press it down. And then I would lay that block flat on the table and take a piece of paper that I wanted to print and spritz it with a little bit of water so it's slightly damp. Don't make it, don't soak it. It's not wet, but it's just slightly damp. You know, wave it in the air two times and then lay it on top of your block. And I take a a big old spoon, the biggest spoon I can find. I take the back of that and I rub it wherever the, the the block is under the paper i'm rubbing so that the it's it's pressing the paper into the ink not putting a whole book on it would which would press it all down and you'd make edges so you'd have um embossing as well but the spoon i can just rub the parts that are there and and it doesn't make the edges weird anyway it's fun okay that sounds really good now i've got some new inspiration to do something fun Well, Lisa and I recorded a lot more stuff than will fit into one show. It was about an hour and a half that we chatted. But there are not really good breaks to, well, excerpt them. So here is a little bit that didn't get into the show, but I think should, because it was fun. 
Here you go. Oh, well, that's backwards. So can you yep. see it through? No, you can't. No, no. It's, I've got a mirror on. I just realized. <laughs> no, it's, it's straight to me. Your mirror only affects what you see, by the way. Oh. On Zoom. Yeah. Oh, because my sister showed me a picture on a text of her Zoom screen because she was celebrating a birthday with a friend. And so she had a happy birthday sign behind her, but it was reversed in the on picture that I saw. screen. Oh, that's it. It was on reversed her. on her screen. Yes. Well, fortunately, she emailed me later and said, I didn't realize that that was the case. And I said, oh, I'm sure everybody, you know, if I can read it backwards, everybody else can. Thank you all for listening. This has been Lois Richter with That's Life. My guest today was Lisa Henderson. Wasn't that a fun chat? We sure had a good time doing it. And if you ever want to join in and become one of the participants on some future radio recording, well, let me know. You've been listening to KDRT LP 95.7 here in Davis, California. <laughs>